Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 389 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about my own personal mental tennis turnaround. Over the years, I've made a complete 180 in my competitive experience on the court, and I continue to be on this journey, continue to learn more, uh, continue to reflect on how I've made this transition. And in today's episode, I want to give you an update and give you some more insights. If you've been listening to me for a long time, I'm just going to give a really quick you know, kind of catch up for anybody that doesn't know my my background in competitive tennis. That'll just be a minute or two. And then I'll get into what just happened a couple of days ago and how far I've come. And I'm kind of just kind of deconstruct and break down a little bit the key ways that I feel like I've been able to make this transition. I mean, really, truly a huge turnaround. So in the past, I was incredibly negative, angry. It's a lot of self I mean, hatred, frankly, like I I just, my expectations were so high and so out of whack. And I was such a perfectionist that by the time I graduated my college, uh, by the time I graduated from college, I had walked off of my college team, which making that team in the first place was literally the biggest dream like that I had in life. And before college, tennis was the thing that brought the most happiness and the most joy to me out of anything, literally. And by the end of college, I was I was just like in a dark, negative, downward spiral of anger and and just resentment, you know, towards myself. And I just couldn't figure out how to get out of it. And it got to the point where even practices, much less matches, it just wasn't worth it anymore because of how angry I'd become and how much negativity I had. So nothing was ever good enough for me. During matches, I'd get even more angry than practices. And it would be, uh, like I said before, like a, a feedback loop or a spiral. It was like a snowball effect. Either I'd win really fast because I was playing, in air quotes, good, you know, for me with my super high elevated expectations, or I would lose really fast because... I would kind of get down and I would get frustrated and I'd get more angry at myself and I'd start to miss more. And, and so it would be over fast. Like I never had played long matches. I either went fast and won fast because I was playing good or I would lose fast and be super angry and frustrated. Frankly, even when I won, I would oftentimes be pretty angry and upset with myself. So finally, I quit my college team and I decided to just focus on graduating, on getting married in a couple months, on transitioning into my coaching career and just focus on those things. So fast forward to just a couple of days ago, I, I just played my second match in the last just 18 months, just for context. I tore my rotator cuff 18 months ago and I didn't play tennis at all for over a year. It was super challenging, really frustrating, but I I took it really seriously and I'm feeling really good and solid now. My first match back just as a test was four months ago and everything seemed to go okay. I got really busy with coaching and traveling. And now last week, I now I'm getting back into the swing of things and my four or five team season has just started. And last week I played my second singles match back since tearing my shoulder a year and a half ago. I'm just giving a little bit of context here. Now, this match was 
really, really significant in terms of level of challenge for multiple things, and especially from a mental toughness standpoint. So first of all, it was my first outdoor match in that two-year period, and I don't play well outside. I'm a better tennis player inside just because over my 30 years in the game of tennis, probably, man, it's probably over 90% of my te- my teaching, my my coaching, my playing has been inside. Up here in Wisconsin, <laughs> uh, there, there's just more indoor tennis than there is outdoor tennis. And, and so outside, I'm just a little bit of a fish out of water. And it doesn't really lend itself well to my style of play, which is more of like a net rusher kind of style. Outside is a slower game. The ball bounces higher. So people with a lot of patience and spin and like ground, good ground strokes really get rewarded outside compared to inside. And so I was playing against a really smart, really consistent baseline. I don't want to call him a grinder necessarily, but plays with a lot of height, a lot of spin, very smart player. And my style of play is the opposite. So the situation, frankly, I mean, he's playing a lot. He's working out a lot. And so all all the boxes were kind of checked away from my favor. (laughs) And so out of the gate, I really did feel super uncomfortable and awkward. Nothing really felt very uh, like I had very good rhythm or timing. And it was just kind of awkward out of the gate. Now, adding to those kind of technical challenges are these environmental ones. Everything was being recorded. I had fellow coaches watching and commentating. When I'm on a tennis court, I just kind of have a a rule. Like, I'm going to make content out of it because I love making videos and I love playing tennis. I love combining those things. And our Match Play channel, in case you're not aware of it, we have a second channel on YouTube called Real Tennis. And it's all training videos and behind the scenes, like travel to tournaments and match play with commentary. If you love tennis match play, you should definitely go subscribe. And during that busy period I talked about over the last couple months, we'd taken some time off and try to kind of figure out how to uh, kind of shift the channel's model around to make it more viable financially because we're losing a lot of money uh, with the editing costs. And so anyway, long story short, this was the first match back, kind of like the relaunch like um, celebration, you know, match. And so it's a big, it's a big deal, super important match. All the cameras are around recording. We are live streaming to our new channel members. Coaches are watching and commentating, you know, to, to give technical, you know, analysis and, you know, just to have a good time and, and watch and kind of chat about the match and stuff like that. My wife was watching and she rarely does. So, In addition to nothing going well, all of those extra kind of pressure points were present. I mean, I know more than 10,000 people are going to watch this match. And so in the past, it would have been very incredibly easy to have this be an absolute mental disaster and emotionally just absolutely implode and just destroy myself (laughs) internally. And as a result, of course externally have my level of play just absolutely get destroyed as well. And in the past, I'd be ashamed. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be really kind of desperate to play the quality of tennis that I think that I can play. And so that's kind of what would fuel that negativity is just like self-criticism and not living up to like the 
quality of play that I know that I should be able to play. And, you know, quick sidebar, you know, looking back now, I mean, my expectations were so out of whack and so crazy high. You know, technically, would it be possible to play the the image of tennis in my mind that I expected of myself? Probably technically possible, but it's like a 1%, you know, kind of day for everything that goes that well. And this was like a, <laughs> the match that I just played a couple of days ago was like the opposite. It was like 1% of things were going my way. <laughs> and every and the other 99%, we all have matches like this, by the way. And this is, this is normal in tennis, not normal in the sense of majority of the time you're going to feel like this, but normal in the sense that everybody has experienced this. Everybody has had this kind of match where nothing's going your way. Everything feels off and uncomfortable. So Last week, or a couple days ago, I'm super happy to say that I stayed totally level. Not that I didn't get frustrated. You know, I missed some shots that definitely were frustrating. And, you know, I had a couple of outbursts, but I was immediately able to level things back out, refocus on positive things. I was able to maintain my sense of optimism and I was able to maintain my problem solving, you know, kind of logical mind. I was able to maintain my gratitude for being there. And at the end of the match, I was genuinely smiling. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, by the way. Uh, if you want to watch the match, it'll, it'll be out in a couple weeks. And you'll get to see the full edited match. So it's me versus Brian. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, it's me versus uh, Chris Hatcher. So you can check that out on uh, Real Tennis. So how was I able to do that? How was I able to maintain all of that positivity in the midst of like incredibly, like every trigger was there, like every possible trigger technically in terms of playing bad, every possible trigger emotionally and mentally in terms of like the pressure and the outside, uh, the, the outside weight on the match, like every, it was the perfect storm for me to potentially just snowball into a really bad negative place. Well, Looking back, I've been reflecting on this, and here's where I kind of want to talk about two different paths. So in path one and path, path two, and we all have this fork in the road. Anytime we play tennis, anytime, frankly, we do anything in life, this is why I really like the, the podcast, because it, it overlaps so much with, with the rest of life. But anytime in any arena that we're up against pressure and stress and there's expectations, and there's like performance level that we'd like to be able to hit. There's two paths that we can take. Path one is operating out of emotion, maybe shame when things go badly, self-hatred, uh, like getting down on yourself, telling yourself how bad you are, how bad you're performing, and overall just a negative snowball. And nobody plays better like that. Everybody plays worse. And we, we've all been in that state of mind before, unless you're just not at all a competitive person, in which case you probably wouldn't be listening to this episode. If, uh, if you're not, just not, if you don't care about competition at all, then this is just not a problem for you because it just doesn't matter. And it's like, okay, well, I'm just out here having fun, like hitting the ball. But if you have any ounce of competitive you know, spirit and expectation of yourself, then you're going to experience path one. We'll call it path one, emotion. Path two, the one I was able to keep myself on a couple days ago is pragmatic. It's logical. 
It's primarily focused on problem solving. And also it has the kind of mental uh, bandwidth or capacity for acceptance. Like no matter how bad of a day you're having, if you have a certain perspective and certain lens that you're viewing competition through, then you can still just kind of accept what's happening and just do your best anyway. And for some of you listening to me right now, that sounds like an absolute pipe dream. Like, sure, if you say so, Ian, like, yeah, of course, on paper, that would be nice. And I'm just telling you, based on my personal experience, that it is possible, even if your current reality is just the most negative, destructive, like bad experience possible, I'm telling you, I've been there, I've experienced that, and there's no like magic you know, switch, there's no silver bullet. I'm not going to give you some drill or mantra to say that's just going to jump you over to path two automatically. I'm sorry, I don't have that. It, this, is, this is work, and it takes practice, and it takes discipline, just like developing any other part of your game. But it is totally possible to move over to path two. Pragmatic, logical, problem-solving, acceptance. So looking back and reflecting on this, I feel like there's four things. I'll unpack each of these briefly. I think there's four things that have given me the ability to do this. And each of these is its own process. Each of these is its own journey, okay? So each of these take work and take discipline, take repetition, and they take exposure. You can't hide from competition and develop these things. Just like you can't hide from working out or eating well and lose weight or get in good shape. Like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You have to be exposed to the challenge to develop these things. So thing number one, that these I think are the top four things that I've developed over the last several years. Number one is a focus on gratitude. The more you can look around yourself take it all in kind of in a meditative way, like as a third party observer and just really objectively look at, man, look at where I'm standing, what I'm doing, how lucky am I, how fortunate am I to be in this place right now that I have the time, I have the means, I have the body and like whatever physical attributes you have to be able to just be here and do this right now is just really a huge blessing. Over the years, I've really worked hard to cultivate a focus on gratitude, especially in competition. And I think it's been a huge, huge game changer for me. In the past, I was focusing on like what could be or what I should be able to do. It was like, it was like hypotheticals. It was, you know, technically possibles. (laughs) It was technical possibilities. That's a better way of saying that. And these days, I'm, I'm much more able to accept whatever's in front of me because I have a much broader, bigger picture in mind of like why I'm there. There's other reasons other than just to play my best why I'm there. It's a much deeper meaning like why I'm there. And so that helps diffuse a lot of the negative feedback loop or cycle of that negativity. So that's thing number one. Focus on gratitude. I'm just going to give you like a one or two minute kind of overview of each of these. 
And, and then I'll give you some suggestions on how to put these together after that. Uh, before I get to thing number two, quick shout out to Diadem Sports, which is a racket, string, and ball manufacturer. As of this point, still pretty little known, but I've been using their rackets and strings and balls for several years now. And I can tell you with 100% confidence that the quality of, this, of the equipment they make is just as good as anybody else out there. Any of the other big manufacturers that all the big shot you know, players use, I know it's kind of fun to use those big names, but there's just as good of rackets and strings and balls out there from other manufacturers and Diadem is up and coming and I love their stuff. I love their their brand. I love the quality of their gear. I'm hitting with the Elevate Tour, which is a, like an old school player style of racket, like an old pro staff in terms of weights and balance. But they have a whole line of other rackets. In particular, I love the Elevate Light, which is balanced and sized like a player racket, but it's much lighter and easy. It's very easy to maneuver, but still super solid and super stable, like surprisingly so for how light it is. So if you're like a a, a three five, you know, four oh level player looking to try something new, highly recommend like the whole Elevate line. They have Elevate Tour, a regular Elevate, which is a little bit lighter than the Elevate Tour, and then the Elevate Light, which is surprisingly light, but plays like a player racket. I'm a I'm gonna be recommending that racket a ton. And you can get 15% off of it and everything else you need, strings, balls, grips, everything, by going to diademsports.com. And then at checkout, use the code ET15, ET15, and you'll get 15% off at checkout, which is an awesome deal. So huge thank you to Diadem for sponsoring the podcast. It helps keep this content going. And big thank you to you for listening and supporting us by using that code. Okay, so thing number two of four that has made a huge difference for me is self-reflection and having a more accurate view of myself. In the past, I was, I was just fixated on this, this idealistic image of myself, this like culmination of like all the best shots I've ever hit, right? Like my best forehand ever, my best backhand ever, my best volley I've ever hit, my best overhead and serve I've ever hit. And it was like the picture in my head of success was that idealistic, perfect version of myself and my level of play. And over the years, thankfully, and honestly, I would say mostly through the use of video and watching myself hit and comparing myself objectively on video to other people, uh, having comparisons, like indirect and direct comparisons, so like people that I know are like way better than me, and then watching them, seeing what they do when they go and compete, and the relative level of play that, that they're in, and how far I know I am from them, from from that person. There's been a lot of comparisons, but f- with several steps back, right? If you are totally self-absorbed with what happens in the moment in yourself and that's your only frame of reference, and you don't have any external frame of reference or perspective or lens that you can view yourself through, it's so easy to get caught up in an idealistic point of view, an idealistic frame of reference for yourself. And the only way to go from that starting point is down. (laughs) 
the only way to go is down because it's literally one out of a hundred times that you're going to hit anywhere close to that idealistic performance. And all your other days on the court are going to be some level of frustration and anger. I'm just telling you based on my personal experience, how it's so, so true for me. If you have any perfectionistic like bone in your body, I highly recommend you start recording yourself as often as possible, training sessions, matches, everything, matches that counts, matches that don't, start watching yourself so that you can start to gain a more full, realistic, accurate view of yourself, and then it makes it much, much, much easier to be able to let go in the moment and be able to be even and steady even in the face of adversity and in the face of challenges in the moment. But if the only picture you have of yourself is that perfect image, I, I'm, and if you're competitive at all, it's impossible. It, it really is impossible because you're just not going to live up to that standard. So that's number two, self-reflection, more accurate view of yourself. Okay, number three, awareness of when the negativity starts. So I haven't done a lot of meditation in the past, but I have done some, and I've, I've found it very useful, very valuable to be a little bit more reflective of like what, what the tape that's playing is inside of my own head. In the past, I, definitely that tape just rolled. It, like somebody just hit the play button during matches, and it just rolled, and I, I had like very little awareness or ability to put a different tape in the player. And I have the ability now to be mindful of when that negative tape starts to play. And I now have the ability to actually put another tape in the player. And that's going to be number four, which we'll get to in a second. But it all starts with the awareness. And if you're just on total autopilot, and this I, this strongly connects back to the self-awareness or self-reflection Number two, self-reflection. If your only experience playing tennis is just internal and you never have an external view of what you look like, what you sound like, where you aim, what your strokes look like, how you emotionally respond in pressure situations, if all you have is an internal perspective of all those things, you're, you're blind. You, you don't know the truth. There's so much that is in your blind spot that you don't even know is there. And so it starts with self-reflection. And then once you start to have a better, more accurate view of yourself, you can start to be much more aware in the moment of when that negativity starts. And you can kind of catch it like right at the, the starting gate instead of letting it run for five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. And at, at that point, turning it around is like next to impossible when you're like a set deep and you're just deep in that negative rut flipping the switch and turning it off is extremely hard once you've kind of uh, taken a bite of that uh, that poison apple and you've just headed down that path for a big chunk of time. It's really hard to, to back out of it and be positive and be productive and play well again and be even. Like that's really hard. So awareness of when the negativity starts is number three. And number four is practice redirecting energy to positive things. So step one, focus on gratitude. Step two, self-reflection and learning more, more width and depth of awareness of what who you actually are as a player. 
and as an athlete. Step three is awareness of when negativity starts. And step four is consciously redirecting. Like say, like like I said, this match I just played a couple days ago, I had I did have a couple outbursts. Like I had one or two moments where, man, I I just wanted so much more for myself and for my game than what just happened in that point. And in that moment, I was really frustrated. But then after voicing that frustration, I was able to five seconds later pivot and redirect my energy to, okay, that happened. It wasn't good. I got frustrated. I got angry. Now what? Now I need to redirect my focus and energy on the next point. Something specific and tangible and productive that will give me a better chance of playing better in the very next point. But if I take the bait instead and I'm not self-aware and that outburst happens and I sit and I stew in that negativity and I allow it to hang around and I don't redirect it, now it's just going to fester and it's going to probably compound and it's going to probably build and things are going to get worse and worse and worse and not better. It's not going to just magically get better on its own, okay? You you have to kind of be your own coach in this moment. You have to be your own cheerleader and not in like a superficial like rah-rah, like, oh, you can do it, Ian, like just think positive thoughts, but more so in like the coach sitting next to you when you're having a bad day and telling you, yeah, this is a bad day, but what are you going to do about it? That's more of what I'm talking about. In my experience, in my opinion, that's reality. And that's what it really takes in the moment. All the self positive self-talk and like mantras and like, um, uh, what's it called? You just like speak positive, like uh, all, all, all the efforts to manifest, you know, positivity in the world aren't going to do anything if you can't be mindful of your internal state and then redirect to something that's positive. And by positive, I mean like tangible, practical, pragmatic. And so once you get good at that process and that cycle, honestly, I think it's possible. It's not easy. Please hear me when I say this. It's not easy. But I think it's possible to bounce back from just about any level of disappointment in the middle of competition. So in review, my old self was on path number one, totally out of control, totally unaware of what was happening, a slave to my emotions, a slave to my unhealthy expectations and un- unhealth- unhealthy self view. And my new self on path two is realistic, pragmatic, accepting, way more effective. You're, you're going you're gonna to see if you watch that match, I won't give any spoilers, but you're going to see a huge pivot that was really effective that in the old days would have been extremely difficult to pull off because of all the negativity I would have been experiencing. So I have the ability to pivot now and I have gratitude for what is there instead of anger for what's not there. And that has been a complete turnaround for me, literally a total 180. And I really hope that something in this episode has really resonated with you. I've tried to make it really like practical and really break it down. This isn't a light switch kind of thing, but 
you could see really big improvements right away if you start focusing on the right things and you start developing your perspective and your viewpoint of yourself. So I know that can be uncomfortable, but it's totally possible. And I hope you take steps in that direction because tennis will be so much more fulfilling and enjoyable for you, so much less frustrating. So I hope you're able to make those positive steps. Big thank you to Diadem. Please check out Diadem Sports. Dot com, Whatever you need for your tennis game, just apply code ET15 at checkout. You'll get 15% off. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll talk to you next time. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.